0: Good morning. I'm Jerry Agar filling in for John Moore today. We're hoping he'll be back tomorrow. Just a little under the weather, nothing serious. Uh, And Mark Tui is filling in for me from 9 to noon today. Uh, He'll join us in 20 minutes or so and let us know what the plan is for that period of time. I see a lot of headlines along this track. America's far right is operating in Canada, provoking chaos, disorder and distrust in our state and institutions. Joining me to talk about this, Criminology professor at the university of ottawa michael kempa good morning morning jerry Uh, don't we have our own far right
1: oh we certainly do the far right uh, and the far left for that matter are an international phenomenon Uh, they link up through networks obviously through social media and increasingly in person and exchange ideas and ideology and radicalize one
0: another on both extremes Okay, well, I consider myself pretty conservative. Does that make me a member of the far right?
1: Well, probably not, if you're not intending to use violence to achieve or or counsel others to use violence to achieve a political objective. That's really the difference. People are, of course, allowed to think whatever they like and exchange views even if it upsets other people. We talk about the awful but lawful, even if you don't agree. If somebody is saying something lawful, there's nothing wrong with that. So really that distinction is where the violence or threat of violence comes into play. So nobody is radical on or far on the left or the right uh, if they're not intending to use that violence or counseling others to do so.
0: Okay, Um, we'll talk a little bit more about far left as well in just a moment. But there's much, much, much more concentration by politicians and too many people in the media, in my view, uh, professor, on the far right. And what that has resulted in, I think, is a real frustration for a person like me because, you know, I'm quite consistently called uh, a hater and an anti-immigrant and a Nazi and all of that, none of which I actually am.
1: Well, I can understand that. Uh, it does seem to be on balance. Why does all the attention go on to the far right? Number one, obviously, there is a left bias in the academy. There's no, that's been uh, one of the worst kept secrets uh, for decades. But most of the violence that's been tracked by CSIS and so forth has come from radical far right groups in terms of fatalities and failed plots. However, that's, you're absolutely right, it doesn't mean that we should only focus on the far right. Now that we've got that covered, certainly more attention to the so-called far left Uh, would be would be very well merited.
0: Yeah, I've had a frustrating time with conversations when I talk about, well, Antifa or the violence that took place in a number of communities um, like uh, Waukesha, Wisconsin, Portland and Seattle and here in Hamilton at the hands of Antifa and I think Black Lives Matter involved as well. We had church burnings here that were not happening in Canada by the far right. They were happening uh, at the hands, I think, of the left. And yet I've encountered people who just uh, well, all those people on the left, they have a real legitimate goal, and the people on the right are just troublemakers, and that that's troublesome to me.
1: Well, it is, and again, it's for that reason. We all hold different views, so far left, far right, if it offends other people, as long as you're not threatening violence or using violence, those are your, your views to circulate and try to uh, uh, not impose but convince other people of my problem i think a little bit like yours is once that threat of violence gets in there it's interesting this is part of the reason why more people are rejecting this left right label because when you look at that spectrum of the far far right and the far far left the further you go in fact those two groups of people begin to converge starts to look a little bit like a horseshoe where the very radical people who condone violence are aligned in a number of ways they're very much against the state they don't like authority they don't like science they prefer other forms of morals-based government now different philosophies and different types of morals but they're similar in the sense that they simply don't like what is and they're willing to use violence to change it so a horseshoe rather than a spectrum
0: Michael Kemp is with me, criminology professor at the University of Ottawa. How would you fit our current problem with China in there? They certainly aren't conservatives. Well, no, they're not. And that's this is a more traditional
1: understanding. We think about problems with foreign interference, uh, with espionage, infiltrating the electoral system. We tend to imagine that most of our problems come from other states. We have a state-centric view of the world. But that's certainly true. China is a big problem. Uh, CSIS has confirmed that there has been meddling in our electoral process, um, inappropriate and and, and intimidation of members of parliament and so forth. Uh, We know about espionage. China's not the only one. Russia's been engaged. Iran, uh, the uh, head of security for the federal government, has spoken about India as well. So states are certainly a problem. One point I'd like to make, though, is that in addition to these troublesome states, there are other non-state actors, private entities, in other words, sometimes militias, sometimes informal groupings of people, sometimes individuals with lots of money who get involved in networks with states, sometimes help foreign states in their objectives to destabilize our own democracy, and sometimes are just doing their own thing. Uh, their own agenda for destabilizing our democracies. So I'm simply saying, let's look at states. China's a big problem. Who are they linking up with, sometimes wittingly and unwittingly, these participants to do their bidding?
0: Michael Kempe is a criminology professor at the University of Ottawa. And we took off on this uh, from people writing about how America's far right is operating in Canada. And I was bringing up the case of the far left, with which the professor does not disagree with me on this. In fact, I'm in these debates all the time by nature of what I do, Professor. And so uh, a number of times I've tried to get people to say, how about we stop with the somebody says, well, this far root group did that. And I say, yeah, but this far left group did that. How about we just talk about radicals?
1: Well, that's a good idea. I mean, CSIS has moved in that direction. Um, Our intelligence agency, they've said, rather than think in terms of far left, far right, think of ideologically motivated uh, violence and extremism, IMVE. And some of them will be holding some views that we associate with the left, others from the right. Some will be uniquely religiously motivated. They all have in common this general dislike of the state, dislike of science, Uh, Very often misogynistic or racist views get mixed up with their ideologies. It's a little bit, they talk about salad bar extremism in the sense that 40, 50 years ago, people tended to be purists in their radicalism. They were either Marxists or they were fascists and they had a sort of a pure ideology. Today, these radicals sort of mix and match the bits of different ideologies that suit them, almost like they're at a salad bar which makes them IMVE, ideologically motivated violent extremists, rather than being Marxists or fascists or whatever.
0: When we have violence, do you think there's also a group of people who really don't care if whoever is fomenting the violence in the first place or started the protest is left or right? They're just attracted like a moth to a flame. I think we saw it during G20 here. They just like to come to town and cause trouble.
1: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. That's. It's nice to think about major protests like the convoy and other things that have certainly happened as social movements. So there's no united cabal that's coordinating all of this, certainly not in the case of the Freedom Convoy. We're talking about tens of thousands of people who got involved at multiple sites across the country. There were some who came for vaccine mandates. There were others who wanted to get in from their perspective on a good thing going. Be a part of a big movement and get their own views out there and recruit people to their views. And some of them just want to engage in disorder and violence, as you say, like a moth to a flame. So when you look at some of the intelligence files that came from the Ontario Provincial Police or from CSIS, they talk about that threat. People who get in and sometimes hide amongst protesters and Black Block, that's a well known uh, strategy of them. They call it going gray. You know, they get into a protest, they're dressed normally. Uh, they put on their balaclavas and so forth, cause havoc, and then sort of rip all that stuff off, and they're back in their regular clothing, going gray, blending in with the crowd. This is a definite known phenomenon and one of the most difficult things, and they know it, for security and intelligence agencies to keep on top of.
0: Michael Kempa, criminology professor at the University of Ottawa. Thanks for doing this.
1: Always. Thanks a million.